0: Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be reading to you a chapter from my novel, Not on My Watch, which is the third book in the Devlin O'Quinn Mystery Series. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next chapter, Not on My Watch, as well as the other three books in the series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. If you are interested in ordering any of my books, please visit my website, jcbodden.com. You'll find the link in the podcast info. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 305, Not on My Watch, Chapter 5. At the time his car roared haphazardly onto the grass in front of Jenny's house, Devlin had already signed most of the available police force to search for Connor. His arm grazed Elliot's knees as he grabbed his service weapon and badge out of the glove box. He said nothing to her as he slid out of the car and strode to his daughter's house. She did notice, however, that he stopped and said something to the uniformed officer standing on the front porch, gesturing towards the car. As Devlin went into the house, the officer stepped off the porch and opened her door. "'Ma'am, I'm Justin Sullivan. Chief O'Quinn wanted me to escort you in,' he said as he held out his hand. Elliot took his hand and stood beside him. Have they found Connor yet? she asked. No, ma'am, the young man answered. Damn, she muttered as he helped her through the grass and onto the porch. She took a deep breath and then stepped through the door. The front room was filled with both uniformed and plainclothes cops, all talking on their radios and making notes at the same time. A map of the neighborhood was spread on the dining room table, an officer using a red marker to X out the houses that had already been searched. Another officer was interviewing the babysitter, an older woman who was crying so hard she could barely speak. On the couch sat a young man that Elliot recognized as Joe, a sleeping toddler on his lap. The woman sitting beside him was Jenny. Seeing them side by side, Elliot was struck by the resemblance. Jenny was the younger, female version of her father. She was holding Devlin's hand as he spoke, her husband's eyes never leaving her face. I don't see how he got out of his "'The house, Dad. He can climb out of his crib, but he's not tall enough to reach the doorknob.' "'Chief, sorry to interrupt.' A uniform officer stepped into the room from the kitchen. "'No, no, what is it?' Dublin stood. "'I think you need to take a look at this, sir. The screen in the bedroom window—' Joe hoisted the sleeping child on his shoulder, and they all followed the patrolman to the twin second-story nursery. It was a warm summer night, and although the curtains were drawn, the window was open—' The young man pulled back the curtain and showed Devlin his discovery. It had been carefully put back into place, but the screen had been cut out of its frame on the bottom three sides. Devlin studied the window for a moment and then stuck his head out, looking down to the yard below. There he saw two dimples in the soft earth and a ladder on its side, leaning against the house. He strode to the top of the stairs. Roger, he bellowed. When his former partner got to his side, he pulled him close, showing him the window, "'Get the crime scene guys over here,' he hissed in his ear, "'and notify the FBI. "'This is not a missing child. "'This is a kidnapped child.'" Those words had no longer left his mouth, than his cell phone began to ring. He jerked it out of his pocket and checked the number. He didn't recognize it, so he flicked it over to voicemail. Seconds after he did that, the house phone began to ring. Devlin followed Jenny downstairs and into the kitchen. "'Hello?' she answered uncertainly. She turned her eyes to her father. "'It's for you.' Her eyes were wide as she handed him the receiver. "'What?' Devlin barked into the phone. His eyes narrowed as he listened. "'Chief O'Quinn, you should have answered yourself a moment ago.' Devlin snapped his fingers loudly and then put his fingers over his lips, signaling for quiet. "'Who is this?' Devlin set the receiver on the table and turned it on speakerphone. "'Who do you think?' "'I have no idea. I'm not in the mood for games. My grandson is missing.' "'Well, now, Chief O'Quinn, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Little Quinn isn't missing. He's right here.' Jenny gasped. "'Quinn?' She looked at her father and then at Joe in confusion. Devlin shook his head and held his finger to his lips again. "'So, you've put me on speaker, Chief. That must be your beautiful daughter. Good evening, Mrs. Halliday. I'm sorry your husband cannot follow my half of this phone conversation.' I trust his arm is healing from that nasty dog bite. And, Chief, I'm sorry your date tonight is ending so badly. Elliot Kingfisher is quite the stunning woman. Joe looked frantically from Jenny to Devlin, trying to understand what was being said. Roger snatched a pen and paper off the counter and began scribbling a transcript of the conversation. Joe stood at his shoulder, trying to read his notes. "'What do you want?' Devlin asked. "'I want you, Chief. You can have me. When and where?' "'It's not quite that easy, Chief.' This is going to go my way. I'll be in touch. Goodbye. In the sudden silence, everyone stood staring at the phone for several heartbeats. Roger finished writing the final words. He doesn't have Quinn, Jenny stammered. He he has Connor. Quinn's here. He's right here. She walked over to Joe and put her hand on her sleeping son's back in reassurance. Well, he thinks he's got Quinn, Devlin said grimly. I wasn't about to tell him any different. The babysitter said she put them down in the same crib, Dev. Roger interrupted. They were a little fussy. It seemed to settle them down, she said. Joe held up his hand, interrupting the two men. Wait a second here. Will someone please tell me what the hell is going on? Connor's been kidnapped, Joe, Devlin said gently. That was the bastard that has him. Well, what the hell does he want? Me, Devlin answered simply. He wants me. Elliot made herself useful in the kitchen, making coffee and setting it out for the officers working the case. She slipped off her high heels and knotted the hem of her gown up so she could move around more easily. Uniformed guards were posted at the front and back door of the house. Both marked and unmarked cars patrolled the streets of the neighborhood. The crime scene technicians collected evidence all over the house, inside and out. Telephone monitoring equipment was brought in and set up in the kitchen. For Elliot, the worst moment came when Joe walked through the kitchen again with the sleeping Quinn. She had never seen a man with a more haunted look on his face. He tenderly carried the toddler into the master bedroom and laid him in the middle of the bed. Elliot thought her heart would break, seeing the young couple, holding hands and watching Quinn as he snuggled between the pillows, his thumb in his mouth. After a few minutes, Jenny turned to Elliot. You were with my father when I called. Yes, Elliot smiled gently. We spoke on the phone. He was on a date with you. Jenny's voice was oddly flat, without emotion. Yes, he was my escort to the Alabama Bar Association Banquet. Jenny pushed her hair out of her eyes. "'You're the woman from the picture in the paper,' she said, again in that oddly emotionless tone. "'Yes,' Elliot smiled again, unsure what to make of Jenny's expression. Jenny stepped past her husband and opened her closet. She pulled out a pair of sweatpants and a T-shirt. She stepped to her dresser, grabbed a sports bra and some panties, and pushed all of it into Elliot's arms. "'You're taller than me, but I think this will fit. You'll be more comfortable in this, I'm sure.' "'Thank you, Jenny,' Elliot smiled. "'I'm sorry.' Jenny held up her hand, stopping her with an abrupt movement. "'Don't apologize.' Now her tone seethed with anger. "'After all, you had no idea when you put on that dress this evening that you would attend a kidnapping.' "'Jen,' Joe said gently. He put his arm around his wife and pulled her into a tight embrace. She buried her face against his chest. "'You'll have to forgive her,' he said to Elliot. "'She's upset.' Now it was Elliot's turn to hold up her hand. Stop, please. Neither of you has anything to apologize for. Thank you for the clothes, Jenny. I'll go change right now. She stepped into the bathroom across the hall and slowly closed the door. Joe held Jenny, stroking her hair as she sobbed quietly. The rest of the night passed uneventfully. Devlin raised his eyebrows when he saw Elliot's new outfit, but he had no chance to speak. Jenny and Joe tried to rest, hanging on to each other with little Quinn tucked between them in the bed. Elliot curled up in the armchair in the living room and dozed as the police work continued all around her. She was startled awake by the phone clanging loudly. The first light of dawn was beginning to show through the windows. Devlin waited for everyone to stop what they were doing and then answered the phone on speaker. Yes? Chief O'Quinn, is that you? Yes. Chief, this is Travis at the fire station. A collective sigh of disappointment traveled the room. Travis, we've got a situation here. I need you to get off this line. "'Well, that's just it, Chief,' Travis said quickly, his voice urgent. "'We've got a situation over here. It's Connor. He's here, at the fire station.' Everyone stood in shocked silence for several seconds. Devlin was the first to speak. "'Come again, Travis?' "'Connor's here, Chief. He's fine. He was on the doorstep asleep in a car seat when I went out to raise the flag this morning. There's some kind of note pinned to his shirt. He's fine, hungry, but fine. Tell Jenny and Joe that he's here with his Uncle Travis. He's okay.' Jenny had come into the kitchen from her bedroom when the phone rang. She was holding both hands to her mouth, her eyes wide. Joe pushed past her and grabbed Devlin's arm. "'What? What is it?' he asked urgently. "'It's okay, Joe,' Devlin said with a grin. "'Connor's safe. He's at the fire station with Travis.' The entire room erupted in applause. Jenny and Joe embraced each other, Jenny crying in relief. Devlin was shaking hands with Roger, who was pounding him on the back in return. Then Devlin grabbed his keys off the counter and strode toward the door. Dad, let me get my shoes. I'm coming with you, Jenny said. Joe nodded and added, Yeah, me too. Jenny stopped and looked at Roger. Quinn's still asleep on our bed, She, tr- her voice trailed off. Roger smiled. Don't worry, Jenny. I'll watch the little guy till y'all get back here with his brother. Nothing's going to happen to him. Devlin's black sedan, escorted by a patrol car, screeched to the fire station. The three of them were out of the car before the sirens stopped sounding, the patrol officers following closely behind them. Inside the station garage bay, Connor was giggling as he sat in Travis's lap behind the wheel of the fire engine. Everyone was laughing and talking at the same time. Travis handed Connor out the window down to Joe, who hugged the little boy and then handed him to Jenny. Connor was completely unimpressed with their affection and scrumped to get back into the fire engine. "'Connor, oh, Connor,' Jenny crooned over and over. "'Show me the car seat,' Dublin said to Travis, after he had satisfied himself that Connor was indeed all right. "'Sure, Chief,' Travis said as he climbed out of the truck. I put gloves on before I handled it. I knew your crime scene guys would need to go over it for prints. It's in here. He led the way to the office and stepped aside. Devlin noticed with a shock that it was the exact make and model that he had in his garage. A receipt was taped to the handle. Here's the note, Travis said as he handed Devlin a zippered bag, a folded note placed inside. It was pinned to Connor's shirt. I didn't open it. The pen's in there, too. Devlin looked at Travis and nodded his head. "'You did good, son. Thank you.' "'Hey, Chief,' Traver answered with a shrug. "'I'm just glad the little fellow's okay. "'It sure is weird, though.' "'You got that right, Travis.' Devlin ran his fingers through his hair. He signaled the uniformed patrolman standing in the garage bay. "'Let's get this car seat ready for the lab. "'Travis, you got a couple of garbage bags we can have?' Devlin donned a pair of gloves and tucked the seat inside one of the bags. He handed the other bag to Jenny. "'Take Connor's clothes off and put them in this bag. "'We don't want to miss any evidence.' "'To the officer,' he said, "'Don't let any of this out of your sight. "'It's top priority. "'I want it gone over with a fine-toothed comb, "'and I need them to get me a copy of the note and that receipt.' Devlin turned to Jenny. "'Honey, I'm going to get y'all back to the house, "'then I've got some work to do.' "'Before she left the station, Jenny hugged Travis fiercely. "'Thank you,' she whispered in his ear. "'Thank you.' "'At the Halliday house, things had started to return to normal. "'Most of the cops and equipment had disappeared.' Elliot had cooked bacon, eggs, and toast for everyone, along with plenty more coffee. Quinn was up and dressed. Roger was playing with him as he sat in his high chair. Cheerios were spread on the tray and occasionally tossed on the floor, which caused Quinn tremendous delight when Roger bent over to scoop them up. Devlin came in the door first, followed by Joe and Jenny holding Connor. Quinn squealed and kicked when he saw his family. Joe pulled him out of the high chair and carried him propped on his cast as he made bottles for both the babies. Jenny carried Connor up to the nursery to change and dress him. Devlin grabbed a mug of coffee and motioned to Roger to follow him into the dining room. Roger, Devlin said after carefully closing the swinging door to the kitchen. This isn't over. The two men sat across from each other at the table. Roger nodded his head. I'm thinking the same thing, Dev. There was a note? Devlin nodded as he sipped his coffee. I haven't read it yet. The crime lab will get me a copy. But follow me here, Roger. See if I've got it all straight. I don't want to leave anything out. Devlin set his mug down and ticked off the facts on his fingers. That car seat at the fire station is exactly the same brand, even the same color, as the one I've got at home. A receipt from the same store where I bought mine was taped to the handle. Somehow the son of a bitch has my private cell phone number. He knows Joe is deaf and about the dog bite. He knew I was on a date. He knew Elliot's name and called her stunning. Hell, he even left Connor at the fire station where Joe's best friend works. "'This guy knows way too much about us. "'He's not finished, not by a long shot. "'And here's the real kicker. "'He wanted Quinn, the twin that's named after me. "'This is about me. He wants me. "'I aim to make damn sure he gets me.' "'Just then Elliot pushed open the door. "'She was holding a plate of food and carrying a glass of orange juice. "'She smiled and nodded at Roger and then set the plate down in front of Devlin. "'Eat,' she said as she crossed her arms and stood beside him. "'He pushed the plate away.' "'That's all right, Elliot. I'm not hungry, but thanks anyway.' He looked at Roger and continued. "'I want you to take a couple of uniforms and get over to my place. See if you'll find anything out of the ordinary. Someone's been snooping around, maybe even in my house. Talk to the neighbors. Find out who's been in the area the past couple of days. I'm going to head to the lab.' Roger stood. "'You got it, Dev. I'll let you know.' He smiled at Elliot. "'It was nice to see you again. I hope the next time I see you, will be at a ball game again instead of this kind of mess.' He turned back to Devlin, cut his eyes in Elliot's direction, and winked at Devlin. In the kitchen, they could hear him telling Jenny and Joe goodbye. "'Eat,' Elliot said again to Devlin. He looked at her warm brown eyes and realized how tired he was. "'I don't think I can,' he admitted with a shrug. "'My stomach's in a knot.' She stepped behind him and massaged his neck and shoulders. His muscles were amazingly tight. As she worked, she could feel the tension start to drain. ''You have to eat, Devlin. Dinner last night was terrible. You hardly ate then. You haven't slept. You've got to keep up your strength. This isn't over. You've got to get this bastard.'' He nodded and picked up the fork, pulling the plate close. The first bite tasted wonderful, and his appetite returned in a rush. He tore through the food and then gulped down the O.J. He pushed back his chair and smiled at Elliot. ''Well, this is certainly one hell of a second date. Not exactly the way I thought we would spend our first night together. I'm sorry.'' She gathered his empty plate and glass. "'Devlin,' she said, her voice just above a whisper. "'Last night was unbelievable. "'You've got nothing to be sorry about.' He wrapped his arm around her waist and pulled her onto his lap. She sat there, her hands full, as he ran his hand over her thighs. "'Where did you get these clothes?' he asked. "'Your daughter gave them to me,' Elliot answered. "'I don't think she appreciated my evening gown.' "'Well, she may not have appreciated it, but I damn sure did.' The look on his face made Elliot's stomach flutter. Then he grew serious again. Elliot, I've got work to do here. I can't take you back to Montgomery. Stop, she interrupted him. It's okay. I've called my sister. She's coming over to get me. In fact, she should be here any minute. She kissed him slowly and tenderly on the mouth. When their lips parted, she looked into his smoky green eyes and saw his desire. That's just to remind you of what you'll be missing, handsome, she smiled softly. He chuckled and squeezed her knee. "'Believe me, beautiful, I will definitely miss it.' "'After Devlin left for the crime lab, Elliot changed clothes "'and then waited in the living room for her sister. "'Her eyes were drawn to a small framed picture on the mantle. "'Picking it up for a closer look, she drew her breath in sharply "'as she realized it was a snapshot of Devlin and his wife, "'with baby Jenny on her lap. "'That's me when I was six months old, "'just a little before my mother was killed,' Jenny said from behind. "'Elliot turned around quickly.' She smiled at Jenny. You were a beautiful baby. Your sons are beautiful, too. I've always been fond of red hair. Jenny smiled and tucked her hair behind her ear. Thank you. She stepped forward and rested her hand on Elliot's arm. And thank you for helping around here last night and this morning. I'm sorry I treated you badly, she said quietly. Elliot patted Jenny's hand. I told you last night, you've got nothing to be sorry about. Jenny smiled a moment longer and then said... I found that picture at my dad's house before I left for grad school. It was wrapped in tissue tied with a ribbon in a box in his closet. For a long time, he didn't know that I had taken it. That's my mother, Tess. Do you see how he's looking at her? Elliot nodded as she looked at the photo. Tess was smiling at the baby, but Devlin's eyes were focused solely on his beautiful wife, the tenderness unmistakable. He's my dad, you know. I just worry, that's all, Jenny shrugged. He's had a few dates, mostly requests to escort friends to charity events, weddings, that sort of thing. Lots of first dates, a few second dates. Nothing more meaningful than that, not really, anyway. I mean, it's actually a joke here in town. That's why they put y'all's picture in the paper. And he certainly hasn't... She blushed and shook her head. Well, anyway, it's none of my business, I know. I'm just protective of him. When he gives his heart, he gives it all. She pushed her hair back again. That's what I see when I look at that picture, anyway. Elliot gently handed the photo to Jenny. That's what I see, too. She turned away from Jenny and stepped toward the front door. Excuse me, I've got to check and see if my sister's here yet. Jenny caught the roughness in Elliot's voice, but never noticed the tear that ran down her cheek. In the car on the way back to Montgomery, Elliot cried quietly. At first her sister left her alone, thinking it was the reaction to the stress of the kidnapping but after about 20 minutes, Lynn began to worry. "'What's up with you, Elliot?' she finally asked. "'I've blown it, completely blown it,' Elliot sighed heavily as she wiped her eyes again. "'What are you talking about? Blown what?' "'My life! God, I'm so stupid!' "'Elliot, I don't understand. What are you talking about?' Elliot ripped apart the tissue she was holding. "'I was going to sleep with him,' she blurted out. Lynn smiled and glanced at her sister. "'And and then his grandson got kidnapped.' And that's why you're crying? Everything turned out okay, right? The baby's back and everyone's okay. Isn't that a good thing? God, Elliot, pull yourself together. You can have sex another time. No, that's not it at all. Elliot sighed as she pulled another tissue out of the box. I'm not crying because we were interrupted. It's just that he's amazing. It's like we were made for each other. Lynn waited for a moment before prompting. So what's the problem? I still don't get it. Elliot looked out the window and struggled to come to terms with her emotions as the car sped down the highway. After about five minutes, she turned to her sister. The problem is, for the first time in my life, I'm in love. Completely, totally, stupidly, God, I never knew it could be like this in love. She sighed and continued, her whispers barely above the sound of the car's engine. And the man I'm in love with has already given his heart to someone else. That concludes this week's chapter, if not on my watch. Thanks so much for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 306 of Way to Week Mixtry, or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.